1: So my thing is when I do readings, like I never ask questions, like I make a concerted effort never to ask. I prefer to tell. Uh, and I always say to my clients, like I'm say, feel free to tell me as much as you want, as little as you want. I'd rather you sit there, relax and sort of enjoy the show, for want of a better word.
0: Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is the deep. David is a psychic medium, so what does that mean? He can connect with dead people. He can also share predictions via these spirits about the future. Look, I know you're probably rolling your eyes. It sounds crazy. It is, it's totally crazy. But before I recorded this episode, I had David read me to make sure he wasn't a quack. Many of them are. And you know what? He is fully booked for the rest of the year for a reason. I am a David believer. David has made predictions about COVID and has highlighted them on his Instagram, at David the Medium. We're going to talk about this today. He also shares with The Deep who will win the US election and Kanye's role in it. I had so many questions about his gift. Where do we go when we die? Why do family members visit us? Do they see the naughty things that we do? And how do you keep yourself safe from all the bad spirits entering your body? This one, you're going to need a really open mind. You know what? You are probably going to be the guest The cop's the most shit up front. (laughs) Good, I hope so. So welcome. (laughs) Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. We're going to get everybody's insights um, and opinions, and I'm going to kind of give you that lens. So I, I mean no disrespect up front if I challenge anything, but we are talking about you being a psychic medium. Yeah. Right? That is your profession.
1: That is my calling on earth, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you, like, if we can just visualise you right now, are you sitting in, like, tie-dye fisherman's pants with a top knot and, like, you know, topless with some beads? Is that what I'm looking at?
1: Yeah, and I've got, like, fake stars all over the walls and unicorns (laughs) and, yeah. (laughs) No, honestly, if you would... If you were to see me right now, I'm in my Nike skins. I've got a beanie on, like I'm trying to look really normal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you are normal or you aren't normal? Well, what is normal?
1: Well, I was literally about to say what is normal, but it's always good to try and give off the illusion of normal, I say.
0: (laughs) Talk to me about who you were prior to starting this three years ago. So
1: I am very different to who I am now. So my background is predominantly legal. uh, What I call my last, you know, inverted commas, proper job, Uh, I was actually working in criminal prosecution uh, for the federal government. So, you know, very different to what I'm doing now. But you know, I was also studying counterterrorism. So a lot of the cases I worked on, they were predominantly things like counterterrorism and drug smuggling and (laughs) kind of all the fun sort of you know law and order SVU kind of life and. Yeah, just I live in my normal life, you know, inverted commas, normal.
0: Did you use any powers or any abilities to help your old work?
1: They sort of did go hand in hand, yeah. So I was recommended to go see a medium when I was 24. And at that stage, I, you know, I was a natural sceptic myself. It wasn't anything that I necessarily believed in. I definitely believed that when we crossed over, we went somewhere. Uh, you know, whether that was heaven or, you know, whatever people's uh, ideas around that are. Uh, but I didn't believe that they had the ability to necessarily c- communicate back with us or still be in the physical world with us. So yeah, at that stage, I was working full time and got recommended to go see someone, went along. Uh, she blew my mind away mm. uh, with some of the things that she was bringing up, real specific things. So it kind of left me with no doubt in my mind uh, because I was a very black and white logical person. So for me, seeing is believing. Even now, still, you know, seen as believing for me. I still look for proof and validations and everything. Uh, so, yes, long story short, uh, by that stage, I knew that I had a sort of a bit of a special ability or a bit of a unique ability. Uh, and I did combine that in my day-to-day work as well. So, you know, working in criminal prosecution, I like to claim, and a lot of my uh, work colleagues know, <laughs> that I still have a 100% strike rate about knowing how cases will ultimately conclude.
0: <laughs> oh, so,
1: so even wow. though I worked there for you know, two and a half, three years, I always, you know, right as soon as the case appeared in front of our desk, I knew instantly whether that person was, you know, going to be guilty and found guilty or innocent and, you know, found innocent or, you know, guilty found innocent. But it's, it's I always say the universe always gives you hints and clues in life and it's just sort of like a jigsaw piece that we can always put together.
0: Because this is interesting, right? So you were starting to vibe, like there was a bridge between your Old life regular job I'm, I'm saying regular I mean it's excuse the terminology but <laughs> your old life old job with your new life new job and there must have been a bridge like an overlap where you were like do I start to like do you believe you were born with these skill uh, these uh, senses or was this a learnt thing
1: I believe every single person on the planet is born with some level of ability to be able to connect with their, you know, their authentic self or, you know, being the soul or the afterlife. For me as a child, like I never saw things or I never necessarily heard things. I always said I had a very sort of in tune sort of, you know, gut feeling or a sixth sense uh, that I always listened to. But, you know, I wasn't sort of seeing ghosts walk down the hallway or, you know, orbs floating in front of me. It wasn't until I was sort of older where I was more able to connect with that and it sort of came out. Uh, but there was definitely a crossover in life for me because yeah, I started working full-time as a medium when I was 30, but my whole 20s, I always kind of just felt trapped and I didn't know what it was. Like in A lot of my experience, I always thought that it was maybe I wasn't you know, enjoying my job or maybe I needed a career change or maybe I just needed to move to a different office. But wherever I went, I always still just felt like I didn't belong or that it wasn't meant for me you know, I was 30 and, you know, still kind of studying and didn't really know what was coming next. And at that stage, I was already reading maybe one or two people a week. So, even though I was still working full-time in legal and the corporate world, it sort of was a job that I had on the side. And as soon as I left full-time work, I suddenly had clients message me being like, well, are you free during the day? Or can you do this weekend? And I was like, well, yeah, I can. And it essentially just kind of grew from there.
0: So... Do you take your first kind of clients and you're just like, oh my God, can I even do this? Like (laughs) they're going to sit in front of me. Is it going to work? I'm going to ask for the money. Like, it's you know, like there is that kind of, I guess, feeling out period. What was that beginning part like? And were you as powerful then as you are now or has that developed?
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely still grows each day that I read someone, but I, I still even get that feeling now. Every time I sit down with someone, I'm still thinking, oh my God, am I going to feel anything? Are they going to like it? You know, I think <laughs> as humans, we always have that element of self-doubt to us. But for me at the very start, like I was doing a mentoring class, so I was really able to sort of hone in on my ability and really kind of expand and grow from there and, you know, trial and error in a real kind of safe learning environment. Uh, but then sort of like maybe... I think it was about 16 to 18 months of doing that class. Like I was suddenly, you know, reading friends of mine, for example. You know, that's a good sort of way to start out. Like I say that to everybody. If if you believe you've got the ability, then kind of focus on those around you. And, you know, then got to the stage where I was reading like parents of my friends. And it was actually a a good friend's uh, mother who said to me, she goes, oh, David, you should be doing this professionally. Like she says, you should be doing this as your career. She goes, you're so amazing at it. And then in my head, I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it kind of just founded from there. So, how much were you charging initially? I'm sorry, that's a very upfront question.
1: No, God, no. When I started off, I, I you know, even now I still have a big issue about money. Like, I hate talking about money. Um, but I, when I started off, I was doing like, you know, hour readings, but they usually went for like 70 or 80 minutes and I was charging $50. And even then I was like, oh, I feel so bad about charging. <laughs> what my mentor said to me, she says, you know, Dave, she goes, you're not charging for your gifts." She goes, you're charging for your time and energy. Mm. And I think that's so relevant, not only to me as a psychic medium, but to anyone who has their own sort of businesses or anyone who's really putting their creative talent out or their, you know, the intellectual talent out into the world. It's sort of like, well, we have to remember it is our time. It is our energy. You know, me connecting to the afterlife and me passing on messages is completely free of charge. What isn't free is my time and energy.
0: (laughs) Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. Now you are very, very hard to get into. Like you're fully booked now for the rest of the year. It blows my mind, you know, like that must be so rewarding for you. How do your bookings work? What happened the last time you released bookings?
1: Yeah, so my bookings sort of get released in blocks now. So they sort of, you know, when there's an appointment release, it's usually for the, you know, three, four months ahead Uh, We had an appointment release at the end of June this year, and that was for appointments in August to December. Uh, So, you know, really that sort of four and a half, five-month period, and it booked out in under a minute. So, I I know it sounds so corny, but I, I, you know, I really am just so thankful and so grateful. You know, when I started off, you know, doing this with all the sort of doubts and self-doubts that I had about... You know, this is a pathway for me, even though I, I knew it was the right thing to be doing because my whole premise in life is just wanting to help people. And, you know, as corny as it sounds, wanting to give them connection and peace. But, you know, my original thing was I was sort of like, you know, if I can be booked out, you know, two weeks ahead or a month ahead, I, you know, I was like, that would be crazy. Like, that would be amazing. That will make me feel like that I'm really making a positive difference, that I really am helping people. And now to, you know, fast forward three years and to, you know, have so many people that, you know, trust in me and want to see me and, you know, believe in my ability. It's just so rewarding. I I really am so thankful and grateful for that.
0: The skeptic in me is like, okay, look, I have seen a lot of people. I've seen a lot of psychics and some of them are super vague, right? Like Oh, um, I'm sensing you know someone with the letter M, M, (laughs) Michelle, Mark, um, Monty, you know, they do this thing. How do you have any kind of um, guidelines when you do a reading? You're like, you're going to get this. It's no BS. Like, how come we can believe? you're not going to be doing that kind of thing. You know, do you drive a red car? Do you have red shoes? Is it a red, you know? Yeah.
1: It's like, oh, do you have a grandmother in spirit when you're talking to someone who's 60 years old? It's like, well, probably. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. So because we know that there are scammers. So I want to discuss scamming and and how you, I guess, push past that.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, this is part of the reason why as a younger man, like I really didn't believe in it because I hadn't been to people Uh, you know, once or twice, like I went to this tarot lady who was just saying the most nonsense things. And, you know, I had members in my own family that had been to mediums, but didn't get anything from it. So part of my, you know, learned belief was that it wasn't real or that there are scammers. And for me, like, my whole premise now is because I, I want, you know, my life mission, I say, is that I want every single person listening to know that their loved ones are around them, that this is real that there is more to life than what we see. And I think even from a scientific point of view, like that would be obvious. So my thing is when I do readings, like I never ask questions. Like I make a concerted effort never to ask. I prefer to tell. Uh, And I always say to my clients, like I'm saying, feel free to tell me as much as you want, as little as you want. I'd rather you sit there, relax, and sort of enjoy the show for want of a better word. And Mm. for me, like... You know, I think my background definitely helps. Like I mentioned before, you know, working in legal and being such a black and white logical person. Like for me, seeing is believing. I do seek out evidence and proof. And you know, I like to think that, you know, someone can leave my readings with no doubt in their mind that who they just talked to was their mother, was their father, was their grandparents, was their you know, their wife, their husband. Uh, you know, and I seek to give them readings where you know, the connection is so raw and so you know pure, and just you know comes from such a high vibrational, loving place uh, that they talk about things that you know that there's no way that you could know that I could know it, or that you know that, that no one you know. For example, like a lot of the skeptics, you know, they're like, oh, you know, he must have just googled you, or he must have just looked on you know, like your Instagram or your Facebook, and it's sort of like, well, yes, you know, some of the some of the things that do get talked about. I mean, let's be real, like. If I'm connecting with someone and they're talking about their children, well, you know, they might actually have their children on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking about like, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, their family and spirit does want to talk about their children, of course, or, you know, their, their new job or their new car or whatever. But when I'm talking about, you know, last conversations that you have with them or, you know, their personal quirks or, you know, there's things from your childhood or things that, you know, they had happened in their life. You know, that's what I really strive for because I really want people to feel like they are sitting down with their loved ones for that hour and having that real personal loving connection again.
0: How do you deal with, um, because you're you're sharing things that are so deeply moving to people, how do you learn to almost be a therapist or counsellor and hold the space of trauma or grief? Because how do you do that, I mean, as well?
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm not a professional, you know, grief counselor or a careers counselor, but your loved ones are now, you know, they watch over your life and they know exactly what needs to be said to you or what direction that they believe that you should be going in. So for me, like, I always say to someone, I was like, you don't have to believe in what I do, just listen to what I say. Uh, But, you know, a lot of their messages can also relate to my life. So, When I do pass on messages, I never have a filter. Like, it's never for me to decide how to word it or what to say or to not say anything. Like, if spirit gives me, you know, words or symbols or wants to talk about something, then I jump straight into it. Uh, But, you know, as you mentioned, it is like if you are dealing with things like grief or trauma, it is very sort of raw and personal. It's just, it's a real kind of diplomatic sort of line to go down with people.
0: And I'm wondering how it doesn't become addictive for really rich people. To hang out with their family members via you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, back on the, the thing with when it comes to money, like, you know, I'm constantly still learning as well. Like, I'm putting all my efforts and all my energy into, you know, doing this. Um, I always try and make sure, like, price wise, you know, because like I said, money isn't everything for me, that I always try and make myself cheaper than most people on my level. Um, but in terms of like rich clients or, you know, people that have public figures or things like that, I refuse to read them within at least three, four months of the original reading. You know, Spirit knows that they have an hour with me to sit down with their loved ones. And, you know, people come into maybe readings with pre-existing ideas in their head about what they would like to talk about or what they think they need to talk about. Their loved ones in Spirit have a completely different idea. They will talk about what they think their loved ones need to know. Even for me, like I've had readings before where I've stepped into and I'm like, oh my God, we need to talk about work. We need to talk about this. And then my loved ones in spirit to just the whole time talking about family or talking about relationships. And I was like, but I wanted to talk about work. And then like, you know, two, three weeks later or a month later, suddenly everything happens with relationships. Everything happens with the family. You're like, ah, oh, that's why they were talking about it. Because even from a psychic perspective, so psychic means essentially predicting or talking about the future. You know, we have all our pre-existing ideas about how we think things will go. Our loved ones know essentially for the most part how our life path is or what is coming up next for us. So when we are talking about the psychic things, I think a lot of people, because it is the unknown or because it can't necessarily be validated instantly, they have their own sort of doubts about it. You know, I can say things in the future that are really specific, but someone will be like, oh, no, 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 you know, that can't happen because their pre-existing values or their pre-existing ideas about how things should be don't fit in with what I'm saying. Yes. So so a lot of people can dismiss it or a lot of people won't necessarily give it the credit that maybe it deserves or they just won't really believe it flat out. But then when it happens, they're all like, it's a good lesson for all of us.
0: I think that's really interesting because let's get into why people listening should believe you because I've got my experience and they're like, oh, yeah, but how do we know? Like, we don't know. We have no context. (laughs) So you have on your Instagram at David The Medium a story highlight that is um, labelled COVID-19. Now, because we have done this so quickly, I haven't had the chance to go in and actually research that, but can you tell us why you have a highlight reel called COVID-19?
1: Yeah, so I started that because I was really one of the very first sort of psychic mediums to actually start talking about COVID-19 even before it started occurring. Uh, so from a sort of psychic point of view, we all knew 2020 was going to be a very big change year. Uh, but I, it was really interesting because, you know, news about COVID started making, you know, the headlines in mid-January and I was constantly sitting on the couch and I'd be watching TV and then suddenly spirit would be like COVID-19. I'd be like, Oh my God, what? Like coronavirus, coronavirus. And I knew that there was something really big going on with it or something that was about to happen. So I put a lot of my psychic energy into it and I you know, when I was connected, I would be making predictions about it that inevitably, you know, two weeks later, a month later would come true. Um, So I actually just started that highlight reel. So then people could sort of see, you know, the predictions I made and sort of, you know, because it is all in hindsight now, given that, you know, this all started back in January for us. And so then they can see in real time, like the predictions I made and how it actually turned out.
0: So when did you start the highlight reel? What month? Um, In January. And at that time when you did the video? and you put it up, were yeah. you like, there's this thing that's going to happen, I don't want to freak you out?
1: Mm. Well, this was the end of January. I knew at the end of January that this was about to explode into something big because even from a universal point of view, like they were talking about how 2020 was going to be the change year and essentially it would start off with an event that sort of switches life into before and after. And, you know, from me very early on, it became clear that it would be the coronavirus that would do it. So, yeah, I did a video in January talking about how I predicted in mid-February onwards that cases would start to increase. I referenced a few countries in particular to keep an eye on. Um, And then really from then onwards, it just, you know, all the predictions that I made, you know, a few weeks later was, you know, coming into fruition. And, you know, even stupid things like I had a friend that messaged me and she was going to, uh, or someone in her family was going to Disneyland in the United States. And she said to me, she goes, oh, do you think Disneyland's going to close? And instantly I said to her, I was like, oh, it's closing, I think it was like the 12th of March. I even gave a date. Um, Then a month later, Disneyland announced its closure on the 12th of March, like, you know, things like that.
0: Oh, I get full body shivers.
1: Yeah, and, you know, talking about schools and, yeah, just countries to watch and, you know, so I did predict that also members of the royal family would catch the coronavirus. I mentioned um, certain politicians that were at risk, Um, you know, things like that.
0: So people have obviously been deeply affected by this, their livelihoods, their families. Um, there's a lot of fear surrounding this and everyone is going to want me to ask you, when does it end?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, so it's still a really interesting question because it will be going for the whole of 2020 now. That was one of my original predictions from the start, uh, that lockdowns or social distancing would be in place for all of 2020. Uh, I really believe that from sort of November onwards, we will start seeing the big shift to the point where it doesn't really make the news anymore. Like, I know there's a lot of talk about vaccines and, you know, we can't really get back to, you know, inverted commas, normal life until we have a vaccine. Um, But over the next few months, we will start seeing a shift away from that. Uh, And then sort of November, December onwards, there will be a sort of a bit of a die down to the point where I predict that we're just kind of going to learn to live with it. And we're going to realize that it's not necessarily going anywhere, Mm. but it perhaps isn't as deadly or as dangerous as we originally believe it is.
0: So there isn't going to be a vaccine?
1: I think there will be, but I mean, the way that I word it, I mean, there's a vaccine for the flu. We still have the flu. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: I don't think the vaccine, I've always said right from the very start, I don't believe that the vaccine is going to be the be all and end all for this. Like, we might get vaccinated against it or they might create one, but it may not be something that's permanent. Like, we might have to get it every year or, you know, there might not even be an effective vaccine. I mean, I believe that they'll definitely make inroads with it. Um, you know, has a lot of complexities around that in itself. Like, who's producing it? Where's it getting made? Like, how are they mass-administrating it to everybody? But I think there's going to be a lot of big shifts over the next few months in particular that will sort of drive away our focus on the coronavirus.
0: And what about travel? Like, will we go overseas again? Will we get to travel in the next year?
1: Yeah, 2021, it will kick back into focus. So that was, again, one of my original predictions that I think I made back in, you know, February or March this year, that the international community sort of would shut down, would travel. Um, even, in, even then I was still hopeful that I would still be able to go on trips, but, you know, <laughs> here we
0: are. <laughs> in um, denial. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was completely in denial. because The funny thing was I asked Spirit at the very start, you know, because for some people that know I had a big trip planned to the United States in May, and I said to Spirit, I said, would, would it be safe for me to go to the United States in May? And the answer came back is yes. I should have asked, can I get to the United States in May? (laughs) Because the thing is, if I went in May, like, we would have been fine to go, but understandably there were sort of different sort of, you know, travel restrictions imposed on us. Uh, So when it comes to travel, I made the prediction very early on that um, domestic travel would be sort of shut down properly until sort of the spring month. I still predict around sort of, uh, you know, really – End of August, September, October, we will see a large opening up there, including, you know, given everything that's still going on in Victoria. It may obviously not include Victoria. We'll probably be one of the, maybe the last states to be allowed in everywhere again, (laughs) like we're banned and shut out down here. Uh, But international travel for me was always going to begin in 2021. I really believe sort of the start of 2021 will start seeing a really big increase there. The opportunities for Australians to start travelling overseas will probably kick in around maybe, you know, February, March kind of period.
0: So if these predictions are all true, right? And you can ask Spirit, can I travel and things, can you ask Spirit, can I win the lotto? Give me the, <laughs> you know, the super give me the Super Bowl number and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Well, a large part ties into it with what is our life purpose and our life path in the physical world. And if we're meant to win Tatsoto, then we will. <laughs> but I always say if mediums or psychics could get the Tazzloto numbers, and every single one of us would already be on the beach in the Maldives already.
0: <laughs> right. We,
1: we, would have, we would have already won.
0: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So have you, like you gave me an incredible connection with my mum that passed. Are you able, so safe a family member of yours passed that you really wanted to connect with? Are you able to just go out in your head and hang out with them?
1: Yeah, unfortunately not. So a lot of mediums uh, are the same as me. We actually can't connect with our own blood or our own sort of loved ones. Um, I can definitely feel mine around. So if they come into the room or they're, you know, wanting to make their presence clear to me, I can definitely feel them. Uh, but unfortunately, I can't necessarily talk to them or get messages from them. And the way that I word it, you know, for example, with um, you know, you Zoe, with your mum, unfortunately passing away. Like, if my mum passed away, I would literally spend 24-7 in my head with her. I and that's not my purpose in the physical world. And we all would. That's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we all love someone. We all miss someone. We all grieve for someone. But unfortunately, you know, that's not what they would want for us either. Like, we're not meant to be, you know, dwelling on them and wanting to still connect with them 24-7. They want us to still live our lives. They want us to still, you know, evolve and learn and grow with the knowledge that they are around us and they are still a part of it. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately I just can't talk to them.
0: (laughs) So you can feel spirit. How does that turn up for people? Like if people are wondering, I want to feel my loved ones, what are signs of that?
1: That's the thing. It's not as crazy as it sounds. I believe every single person would already get signs of it already. Now the common one that I get, I just get goosebumps up my back, um, or on my arms, uh, For me, um, female spirits come forward on my left hand side of my body, and males come forward on my right hand side. So, if you're randomly sitting on the couch watching TV late at night, and suddenly, like, your mum comes into your head, even though you know it's the last thing that you were kind of thinking of, take that as a sign because they will do anything possible and give us an array of different signs to make it very clear to us that they are around us. Uh, You know, sometimes I'll be driving, for example, and I won't look up at street signs for you know you know, streets and streets and streets, but then I'll look up and I'll see Peter Street. And Peter for me was my grandfather. You know, it doesn't have to be anything sort of, you know, whiz bang, you know, massive fireworks that go off. It's the littlest things that remind us of them is their way of showing us that they are around us.
0: What about seeing them? Can you see them and can other people see them?
1: Well, I unfortunately can't see them with my eyes open, but I can definitely sort of see shadow's Uh, And I do get images of them in my mind or with my eyes closed. Uh, A lot of people do reference seeing uh, energies around them, or sometimes they feel like that they wake up and they see their loved ones. But the most common way that spirit makes itself clear to us, and a lot of people can connect with this, I definitely know that I can personally, but they do enter our dreams. Uh, Because when we are asleep, our brainwaves go to a different level. Uh, And there has been scientific tests that have been done on certain sort of, you know, well-known public figures that are mediums as well. And when they've read, their brainwaves actually go to that REM light sleep level. So even though that we're consciously awake and we're talking and we're, you know, reading, but uh, technically our mind is asleep. So when we are asleep and we do have dreams of our loved ones, there's no doubt in my mind that that is them. And I think a lot of people can connect with that. And Spirit constantly brings it up in readings as well. They say, don't ever feel like that that's wishful thinking or don't feel like that your mind you know, made that happen or that you know the want of wanting to see me made sure that you dreamt about it. It's not that at all. They actually do use that ability and that state of alertness and consciousness for us to actually be able to enter us easily.
0: Because that's interesting because um, I've had hundreds and hundreds of dreams of trying to, Um, get to my mum, right, like so trying to meet her at a place or trying to make a phone call and the phone disconnects or she doesn't turn up and I am on the phone to her and I'm asking her, so you've been away for so long but why haven't you come back and we can't meet in the dream, right? What is is that then?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately the negative side or the downside of that, it can be grief and sadness that actually does sort of block the connection because we are so you know, held down by grief that it kind of can blur it. So the more that you let go of any feelings and a lot of people, you know, unfortunately when we do lose our loved ones, like as hard as it is and as mean as it is, some of our instant feelings that we do feel can be guilt or, you know, I wish that I said this or why didn't I do this? And, you know, it's a very human thing to do that when we lose someone, our, our, our first thoughts of them are all the things that we wish that we did differently. Like we don't remember all the amazing times that we shared together or all the, you know, the special memories that we do share. I think the more that we focus on that, the more that it sort of allows the healing process to really begin. And it does provide us with a lot of inner peace and then does sort of lift the veil in um, certain ways that allows them to then enter our minds a lot easier.
0: Okay. Can you see when people are going to die or can you see bad things? Um,
1: with the, the dying part, uh, I never even pick up on that because spirit doesn't want us to really focus on our death or sort of how we die because it's not necessarily part of our life journey. Even when I've read people that are unfortunately terminally ill, uh, spirit has never really indicated sort of, you know, when it's their time to leave because the way that I translate it, it's every single moment before death that what matters the most. So, sort of like even on your final day on earth, everything that you do that day is still more important for your soul journey and your soul growth than the actual events of crossing over
0: what talk to me about what happens when we die
1: i don 't know i haven 't done it yet no <laughs> no. <laughs> no so i a lot of people um you know, a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I've spoken to that have passed away, <laughs> they always reference that their loved ones do come for them. So in a lot of cases, when someone is terminally ill or they spend a lot of time in hospital before they're passing. And I think a lot of people listening can also relate to this as well as they have unfortunately lost people close to them. A lot of spirit does a lot of people in the physical part of me do reference that their loved ones actually do come for them. So a personal experience for me, but, you know, I was with my grandmother on her final day and, you know, I felt my grandfather come in behind my shoulder in spirit and Mm -hmm. she happened to look over my shoulder and she says, Oh, what are you doing here? And I instantly knew that she could see him. And, you know, she also, you know, um, was under a lot of morphine because they were trying to make her comfortable um, towards the end of her time on earth. And at one stage, she actually sort of awoke a bit from the morphine. So it wasn't heavy enough. And she said, oh, Pete, you're real, you're here. And Pete was the name of my grandfather. And my uncle and I both heard her go, oh, Pete, you're here, Pete, you're here. Um, like I'm even getting goosebumps telling that story again. So I am too. Yeah. So the soul, I say, always knows why it's here and when it's time to go. Like We know, you know the reasons why we're in the physical world. We know what we need to achieve and learn from and grow and experience. And then we know when it's essentially time to transcend and move on. The human side of us doesn't, because we're not meant to know that, and we shouldn't have to focus on that. Now, as I mentioned, it's everything before the events of crossing over that matters, not the actual event itself. So in a lot of ways, when it does come to the final time on Earth, the soul actually will sort of tie up a lot of loose ends in some ways. Uh, there's a lot of stories about family members reconnecting or, you know bumping into long-lost friends that you haven't seen in a long time, or sort of just tying in a lot of the dots. Uh, like a personal experience for me again. like. Uh, in the few days leading up to my grandmother's passing, she actually said to my mother, she goes, you know, you've been a good daughter, you know. And she'd never said that before. Like, I mean, my mum and my grandmother had such a beautiful, close relationship. And, you know, I even looked at my grandmother like my second mother. Uh, But she said to my mum, she goes, you've been a good daughter. And that was really one of the last conversations we had with my grandmother before we were on, you know, the hospital bed on her final day at earth. Now, my other grandmother, Mm -hmm. my dad's mum, You know, she was in hospital. She had a bit of a lung issue going on. But, you know, no one would have assumed that she would have crossed over from it. But I remember I went to visit her in hospital. And I was sitting down with her and having a conversation. And we talked about life. And, you know, then I had to leave her and, you know, let her get on with everything. And, you know, I just had to leave for the day. And as I hugged her goodbye, she said, oh, you've been a good grandson, you know. (sighs) And And she said, and as soon as she said that, like, I instantly just wanted to cry. My stomach dropped. And I was like, oh, my God, she's actually, it's actually the soul saying goodbye. Um, She says, you know, you and your brother, all my grandkids. She goes, I'm incredibly lucky. And then I said to her, I was like, well, I said, and you're a good grandmother. And I said, I love you too. And I gave her a kiss. And that actually was the last time I saw her in the physical world. Because then two days later, she actually passed away. So as I mentioned, the soul always knows. Yeah.
0: So where do they go? Because heaven, uh, going back to source, going, depending on what religion you are. So I'm feeling like they're around us a lot, like shouldn't they be somewhere else and do they get to go to the other place and then come and visit or are they always here? Like so many questions about that.
1: Yeah. So I think it's one of these things again, until we actually do it ourselves, there is no real answer. I know a lot of people have their own sort of ideas and their own sort of beliefs. Like for me, I wasn't necessarily raised religious, but I do believe that when we cross over, we do go to essentially what is a form of heaven. Now, my word for it is actually the waiting room uh, because, you know, if our loved ones still have people in the physical world being, you know, us, our kids, things like that, we then become their main purpose in in the afterlife. Like they really want to guide over us and watch over us and sort of learn from us and our journeys. And then we sort of all wait until the family groups are together again and then we all cross over again. There is a theory that says, you know, the last person in the physical world that knows you, once they cross over, then the whole family gets to cross over. Then it gives you the ability to you know, move into the next level, if that makes sense. So I believe that when we leave the physical world, we go to like a version of heaven that I call the waiting room. It's incredibly peaceful. Everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's getting along. Uh, I always say your worst enemy in the physical world will be your best friend in the afterlife. Like,
0: <laughs> Wow. No,
1: but then where we go after that, for me, it could be heaven. It could be that maybe we get reincarnated into the physical world again to learn further lessons or experiences or, you know, to grow um, more as a soul. But that's the thing. I think until we do get to cross over ourselves, no one really does know for sure.
0: <laughs> so mum's popping in and out. She's around, you know, we all have loved ones that are watching over us, but then like, what if you're doing inappropriate things? Like you want to just watch a cheeky bit of porn and <laughs> you don't want to be sprung um, <laughs> by a cheeky little spirit. What do you like? How do you set a boundary of like, this is alone time? You totally. Know?
1: Well, let's be honest. I think every single person, as we're probably talking, probably has that question in the back of their mind. They're like, oh my God, are they watching me like, you know, um, like for want of a better word, powder my nose or are they watching me like have sex or things like that? So I always say your loved ones in spirit, you have to imagine that they are still like, you know them, they have all their same personalities, they have their same, you know, just memories. If your sister passed away, do you really think your sister is going to stand there and watch you have sex? Or do you really think your mother is going to watch you watch porn? They're going to be like, they're going to be like mortified. It's the last thing that they want to do, guys. So don't worry about it. Like when we need our own private time, yeah, when we need our private time for whatever it is, they give it to us. But another important thing, because a lot of people come to me and they're like, you know, Dave, I've done this in my life. Like, I'm so ashamed. My God, my dad or my mom must be so ashamed of me. It's not like that because once we're in the afterlife, they understand your life purpose in the physical world. So your loved ones in spirit, they know that everything you're doing is a lesson of what you learn. So if you were to come to me and say, oh, you know, Dave, like I'm actually a drug addicted prostitute and I've murdered 20 people. (laughs) Hmm. Your mum wouldn't be like, oh my God, Zoe, I can't believe I'm so ashamed of my daughter. Your mum, for me would be like, okay, cool. So what has Zoe learned in that? Like how has that helped her life part? How has she grown from that? What has she learned from that? There's no judgment from spirit because they understand that everything in our life is teaching us a bit more about who we are and what we need to learn.
0: So interesting. And my son has moments where he gets a little bit frightened and he had a phase where he was like, I'm scared of Nana Jan, I'm scared of Nana Jan. And he knows her because we talk about her and things like that but it's also hard for him to I guess understand the concept of all of these things so um is he seeing or feeling her is that could that be a real thing for him and how do you deal with things like that
1: yeah 100% so I'm a strong 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 believer that Really, because we all have the psychic ability or the, you know, the connection ability, but especially children under the ages of four or five, sort of six age group, because you know, the human life to them hasn't necessarily set in yet, for want of a better phrase. So I would have no doubt in my mind that your son would be able to sense his grandmother around him or you know, probably even see her sometimes, even when he was younger, he definitely would have been able to probably see her, but maybe not been able to sort of you know, translate or commute what he was seeing. But the best way to handle it, you know, for anyone that has children that reference, you know, seen orbs or seen shadows or seen people at the end of their bed, you know, don't tell them that they're crazy or don't tell them that what they're seeing isn't real because in all reality it could be actually your loved ones connecting with them. Uh, Encourage it. Let them know that they are safe. Like the thing is, you know, for you, Zoe, if your your son's grandmother was still in the physical world, like would he be scared of her? No, he'd be, you know, she'd love him and he'd be loving her. So, it's no different just because she's crossed over. Like, there's no need for him to be scared. It's really, you know, it's just his grandmother coming to watch over him and play with him and read to him and hug him.
0: Yeah. And that's the way that they
1: need to be reminded. You know, this is their loved one still. You know, but if something gets a bit too much or you're feeling like that they're really kind of annoying you, the simplest thing you can do is ask them to stop. And they, you know, 99 times out of 100, they will actually do it uh, because. You know, they don't want to annoy you at the same time, but they definitely want you to acknowledge their acknowledge presence. You. And once you do <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all they want. They, you know, they're doing it because they're not doing it for fun. They want to show you that they're around you. And if you say to them, it's like, oh, hey, mum, thanks for making your presence clear. She'd be like, yeah, cool, job done. Uh, for me, I Understood. don't necessarily. Yeah, totally. Like you just got to say, hey, like I know what you're doing, flickering the lights. Thanks, mom. A little bit annoying if you can stop. Like, <laughs> um, and depending on their personality, they might start to do it even more. Because like, <laughs> yeah. we've got to remember they are still there. Uh, but in terms of negative energy, like I, for 99 times out of 100, again, any energy around you is your loved ones because they are people that want to be there for you and watch over you and love you. Uh, If people, if maybe you had a negative relationship with them in the physical world, very rarely are they still going to hold on to that in the afterlife because they understand the bigger picture now. Uh, But it doesn't mean that what they're doing can't be perceived as being scary or negative. Uh, But, you know, we have ultimate control over us. So, you know, if we ask them to stop, if we can, you know, even cleanse the environment with Sage or Palo Santo, it really will help.
0: What about exorcisms or like demonic presences or all the things that we see in horror films or even people that go, oh, my gosh, I have a poltergeist, all the, you know, drawers and cupboards are open or do you believe in that?
1: Well, for me, seen as believing, so the logical side for me still kicks in because, you know, I I am still black and white even though my whole life is (laughs) grey, but, you know, I believe in you know the balances. If you do believe in good, which I think that we all would, then, you know, realistically that does have to be a a bad or a negative. Uh for me, I, you know, it's as simple as that. I don't allow it into my life because it's I don't give it permission to necessarily be around me. Uh that in some ways, like, you know, even though I'm not necessarily spiritual, there's no way that I would go near a Ouija board, for example. Uh, really? It's sort of yeah. I, I the way that I word my readings, like I say that I'm sort of an inner city nightclub. Like I operate at a very high frequency, so I've kind of got what I call a spiritual dress code. So I only let those in that vibrate highly and come from a place of love and guidance and sort of acceptance. Uh, I say that you know Ouija boards and you know some other real sort of you know tools like that are kind of like you're at a suburban sort of pub. Like they don't care. Like you can come in without your shirt on. You know <laughs> they're sort of allowing anyone in. And then it goes down to the premise again of the forces of, you know, essentially positive and negative. If we do believe in positive, then obviously negative is accepted. So the negative side of things will probably be more likely to go to your outer suburban pub because they know that they can't get into the inner suburban nightclub.
0: (laughs) That's so clever. So your frequency, how do you tune your frequency and also protect yourself from just anyone coming in at any time?
1: Yeah, so I say I've got a very good on-off switch. Like Spirit, for me is very respectful for when they know that I'm, you know, connecting with people. So they, I don't get annoyed 24 seven, or I can easily walk down the street and I'm not picking up energies from every single person around me. Uh, so for me, it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a trial and error, of course, because even when I was starting out, um, like I had a bit of a reputation of being the guy that made people cry in nightclubs because <laughs> I was really eager to, yeah. I was really eager to practice. So. I would sort of really put all my energy into tuning into random people in nightclubs and I'd go up to them. I'd be like, your mother Laura says hello. And I'd be like, Oh my God. Like, you know, and that's not, you know, positive. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. But to me, yes. it's I always say be confident, not cocky. And that was a little bit cocky. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I was just sort of wanting to, you know, build my skills because I was so excited by it. So, you know, it is something that we learn over time. Like, I, even though I've been doing this full time now for three and a half years, like I'm definitely not learned everything that I'm meant to have learned. Um, I'm still learning every single day. There's still things that I need to, you know, evolve with and progress with. Uh, But yeah, I do have a very good on-off switch at the same time and Spirit is very respectful to that.
0: How do you protect yourself and do you get really exhausted and how do you do back-to-back readings?
1: Yeah, well, I I, I always say to everyone that think of a way to cross over and I've probably done it. Like I really have died every way possible now.
0: (laughs) Wow.
1: But for me, like, yeah, like think of a way and I've actually done it. Like some of the most unique, crazy ways that spirit has crossed over or left the physical world, I've done it. (laughs) But for me, again, it is a bit of a learning experience. Like at the start when I did start reading clients every day, I was finding myself getting really exhausted. But it is about... Um, setting boundaries and really taking care like self-care is so important for every single person not only for me of course Uh, but I always you know my personal technique is to imagine myself sort of surrounded in a bit of a white light uh, and I imagine that white light sort of like washing me for want of a better word like it sort of cleanses me and sort of just builds me back up Uh, but you know reading for me is not necessarily as tiring or as exhausting or emotionally draining as most people would imagine Because when I read, I do pick up on your loved one's emotions and 99.9% of the time, like they're excited, they're happy. You know, they're so grateful and just, you know, happy that they can talk to you. And they also come from a place of absolute peace and love. So usually I will finish readings and I just feel so content and excited and happy. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's not that I've, you know, been reading and I suddenly feel like I've just run a marathon and I'm emotionally and physically drained. Like I usually finish a reading and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's do another. Like,
0: <laughs> wow. That's so beautiful. I think it's time to test the waters. <laughs> How do you feel about that?
1: Well, I can, that sounded like a real evil Mr. Burns kind of laugh, but I'm <laughs> so keen for that. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> All right, okay, let's do it. Do you need to prepare or do anything before we do, do this? Oh,
1: let's just jump into it. You know, no time like the now,
0: Zoe. <laughs> We're living in the most bizarre time of our lifetime, 2020. Can <laughs> you connect to source or spirit and ask what they're trying to tell us?
1: Yeah, so 2020, I think we can all agree, has been such a chaotic, unpredictable year. Uh, The way that I've worded it from a spiritual sort of meaning and point of view is that 2020 was always the year of the awakening. Uh, Now, as we referenced with the coronavirus before, that, that was really sort of a shift to sort of get us into a before and after, you know, life and the way of thinking. The big focus going on for everybody at the moment and, you know, in the end of July, start of August period that we're in at the moment. For me, I'm calling it phase two, which is essentially the breakdown of existing structures or the mask falling off. Now, the breakdown of existing structures means that the world that we've created for ourselves is sort of now starting to chip away or fall apart because you know, a lot of people would agree that we've kind of got to this stage in life where it's just not working for us. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people at this current period are now starting to have issues with their relationships or their, their work environment or where they see their lives going uh, or their pathways because it's just starting to crumble and get too much. Now, the mask falling off represents the personal level. Uh, so, at, a, at an individual level, we're noticing a lot more about our families or our friends or our loved ones uh, that maybe they were hiding things from us or that they sort of were, you know, figuratively wearing a mask because we're not seeing the true them. At a universal level, it represents uh, those in control or those with power uh, authority. So politicians, um, you know, celebrities, uh, people in tech, we're now sort of finding out that maybe they're not the good people that we thought that they were or that maybe that they did run different agendas or that maybe they weren't always honest. So with these two things combined, the mask falling off and the breakdown of existing structures, we're now entering a really explosive period of the year because really from mid-August onwards, heading into late August, especially the beginning of September, there's going to be a lot of flashpoints and a lot of sort of big events that are really going to start uh, becoming a lot more sort of common knowledge or a light's going to be shone on a lot of different things. And it's really going to change how we are viewed Uh, certain people or certain structures or essentially how we've created our own lives and it is going to be a big shift like the word that I used on the video a few weeks ago I'm calling it the seismic shift like everything we know is about to change
0: so more so than it already has
1: yeah absolutely so I said, when we look at 2020, I said the first six months of the year will be easier than the last six months. <laughs> and I think we can all agree, the first six months will not necessarily easy.
0: <laughs> right? So people are going to freak yeah. out now. What does this mean?
1: Well, it doesn't mean that we have to freak out. It doesn't actually mean that it's anything scary. The word that I, or the way that I use to describe it, it's essentially the universe is pressing control, alt, delete on the world that we've created for ourselves. And it's essentially breaking down the things that no longer serve us uh, or the things that don't have a positive impact um, or positive influence in our life. And the world that's going to be created from this is going to be so much more genuine and so much more honest and so much more structured around us instead of like us sort of like being along for the ride, if that makes sense. So we're going through a very big stage of transition. But the world that will be created from that is going to be such a better place in the longer run.
0: Wow. Can you give us specifics or is that, is that too much?
1: No, we can go into the specifics if you want. Like, like, is there any topics in mind that you had?
0: <laughs> like if it's going to be a disruption, are we seeing this through government? Are we seeing this through celebrity? Are we seeing this through um, business structure? What does that mean? Yeah.
1: Honestly, it's everything. So phase two for me was actually social and political change. So uh, it it falls into what I call the master-slave dynamic. Now, the masters are those that can have power or control the narrative. So it is people like politicians, business leaders, um, celebrities and pop culture, because obviously they control a lot of our narrative as well. Uh, And the slaves are those that sort of um, have to pay attention to it or are controlled by it. So essentially us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the shift that comes in there is really breaking down the structures of the masters.
0: Okay, okay. Let's cut to the chase. Let's cut to the chase. Yeah. Okay, so I need you to give me something specific that won't get us in trouble. (laughs) So without naming names,
1: a lot of people within the Hollywood machine or the Hollywood power structure are really about to have their masks fall off. So, people that we've always looked at as oh, I love that actress or I love that actor or I love that talk show host. Like, they're, they're so fun and they're so positive and they have such a positive influence. Suddenly, we're going to look at them and be like, oh, my God, like they were doing this or they said that or they always operated like this uh, because their mask really will start to fall off. And that will also involve a lot of politicians as well. Like, you know, politicians where we're like, oh, you know, they're so good and they, they do it for the bigger good. And we're suddenly going to see a lot of things come out that they're doing. not only will we realise was not in our best interest, but it's also quite just plain negative or really plain quite just destructive and evil, for want of a better word.
0: Okay. Now, I know nothing about American politics, but this is a deep fascination for you. So we'll keep it brief for the people that have no idea like me. But you do have, I mean, that does dictate a lot of the rest of the world. Who wins this next election?
1: Oh, you've gone straight to the, 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 the finale to <laughs> jump straight into it, skip the foreplay and get to the main event. <laughs>
0: Give it to me. Uh,
1: I have always said that given the next few months with what is about to occur, Donald Trump will easily win the next election. Easily. Easily, we will get to a stage where right before the election, on election day, it will be very obvious who the winner will be. Now, it won't be like last election because everyone was under the assumption Hillary Clinton would win. It's not going to be like that. When we get to election day, it's going to be obvious. It's so like this is how it is. This is what's going on. Donald Trump.
0: And what about Kanye?
1: Uh, well, I've got a good theory around Kanye actually, uh, because Kanye is, uh, for want of a better word, quite a fan of Donald Trump. Like he mentioned a few years ago that he believes that Donald Trump had and energy. Um, uh, in terms of ideology and platforms that they, they do share a lot of common views. My theory is that Kanye West has actually entered the presidential race um, To because 2020 is an awakening year. His purpose is actually to awaken the African-American population. So he will be dropping a lot of truth bombs that relate directly to them. That maybe Donald Trump can't drop because he's white and maybe people would label him as a racist. So they wouldn't listen to him properly. So my theory is Kanye West has come in to actually split the black vote because predominantly in the United States, the black population is, uh, you know, they overwhelmingly vote for the Democrat Party. I think Kanye West will come in and he will take votes away from the Democrat Party because he will lead to an awakening or a different way of thinking for the black population. And then I believe Kanye West will drop out and endorse Donald Trump.
0: Wow. Okay. So all the people
1: that support him will then go and support Donald Trump
0: so interesting i have my final question yeah which is who are you when no one is watching
1: i'm honestly the most boring person but <laughs> um when no one's watching i am usually sitting there in my pjs watching real houses at beverly hills lately like i Oh god, it's such a—it's uh, making me think, Zoe. You're not meant to make me think like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's—it it is so simple, though. You know that. I course, know, and I'm so
1: self-deprecating d- straight away, like instantly. I would like, "Oh, I'm boring. I'm boring." Like, obviously, there's like inner trauma there <laughs> for me.
0: <laughs> I try and get you a good medium.
1: Yeah, <laughs> could you? <laughs>
0: um, I have just adored talking to you. You. I, I look. This is my psychic abilities now. Saying, <laughs> "This is what I see for you is you will be the one of the world's biggest psychic mediums." Like I see that for you, and I see you overseas oh, in the states oh, like doing you. it, and on and on a show. Like I see you doing it, really like global because the uh, it's it was completely. Profound. You your work was profound. So I truly thank you you for being with me today on the deep. And I truly thank you for giving me your energy so generously. So thank you.
1: Pleasure is 110% all mine. And thank you for allowing me on. And thank you to everybody for listening along.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.